0: and we're recording hey man how's it going it's it's going very well sir i had a good day fixed a lot of very strange bugs in my code and uh, i'm ready to record a podcast that's awesome
1: no i love whenever like you're coding and things just start to click you don't have to Google as much. It just starts to work out. All of these, all of these years and these hours that you've put into your craft finally start to pay off.
0: And then you Google some new technology and you, you start over. You start but, completely <laughs> over from scratch. Is there a technology that you're looking at that's that's new or you never touched before that you're interested in learning? A reality kit. I want to do some AR apps. I want mm. to do an
1: app where you can... It, assuming that Apple releases some sweet goggles or some sweet like AR glasses or something this summer, I want to be able to put these on and then be able to put artwork, kids artwork throughout the house on the walls. And then when when my wife walks into a room, she can see the artwork on all the walls. If I could even start that and they come off glasses guaranteed uh, approval to buy the glasses. So I got to get her on board. Just throw some kid kids artwork on the walls Call it done, but no, seriously, um, we were in a meetup group yesterday and they were talking about a wall I think it's a wallabot. It's this little device that has a bunch of radio sensors in it and you hold, it's like a stud finder. You hold it up to your wall and it blasts the wall with a bunch of different, a fre- uh, bunch of different frequencies and then returns back a map of what it sees behind the wall. It sees a mouse, wow. it sees a pipe, it sees wire, it sees you know, all these different things. So what if I could take glasses, take a device like this and hold it up against the wall and then on the back of it have a like a, a QR tag or something, so that the glasses know that is the sensor I'm looking at. And meanwhile, the sensor's connected to my iPhone or something, giving me the visual. So it, when mm. I, when I'm wearing the glasses, I just look at the wall, and anywhere the sensor is, I can see what the sensor sees. I can see the pipe, the mouse, the wire, whatever. Could you imagine this being used in museums? This can be used everywhere. (laughs) It could be. Like this is just the start. But imagine scanning your house once, building up this three D model, because the glasses with with LIDAR, the glasses would know where the sensor is when it detects this. So if you scan your whole house wearing the glasses, then from the rest of your life, you have a 3D map of your house and all of the wires and all of the pipes and the walls. So you could just wear the glasses, not have the device, just look around and you could see where you needed to do stuff. Now in my house, it's not like I'm putting holes in the walls all the time, but I can think of other industries or other places where this could be super helpful. Or if we start to build this global network of all of these these uh houses, then you know maybe my house gets scanned once in you know 2022 and then in 2027 cable guy comes in to do something. He puts on his glasses, downloads my house map. He immediately knows where to go. He can quickly go through plaster, go through the walls, go through the sheetrock, lay stuff, white run wires, and update the map. And then the next person that comes in to do something can do the same thing. When I sell my house, I can send the map off. Anyway, AR is just going to blow my mind.
0: And that's the new technology I'm looking into. Imagine that becomes part of the house appraisal process Ooh, yeah. is doing something like that. And I'm also imagine that that house map being associated with MLS data so that you can basically view the entire map of the house and the structure, make sure everything is good before you buy it or know exactly how much work you're going to have to put into it. Absolutely. like the, That it would just, be wild. It's just opening up
1: opportunities. I mean, if we can take a, an MRI and scan the inside of somebody's body without opening them up. Imagine if we hook that up with the glasses. So now the, the mother or the father can wear the glasses and, and, you know, stare at the belly and see the baby
0: through And Like, so much you can do. Speaking of which, uh, my wife had a sonogram. Yeah. uh, What was it? Yesterday. This kid has got some cheeks. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have pictures? I I do have pictures. I'll send you some. Um, Awesome. But she's seven point six pounds right now. That's a big girl, and we're one month out. Oh man! So she's probably going to be a nine pound kid. I would not be surprised. I was. Yeah, that last month they grow a lot. Really? Yeah,
1: we all, all of ours were early, so we were we we were just ready to go. Like we couldn't wait any longer. We're like, just they've cooked enough. Let's just take them out. Let's just go. So did y'all induce each time? No, never. Uh, we were oh, just okay. just early. Just so early. You could not wait. And they were uh six, like six and a half pounds or something. And then they went back down to five, into the five pound range a couple of days after birth because they lose a
0: little bit and then they gain it back. But uh, no, it's precious. That, that's awesome. So she has an appointment two weeks from now. Um, And if the baby has grown a decent amount, we'll probably be putting an appointment on the calendar to induce. Wow. So cuz all all of um Jenny's siblings and Jenny herself were induced. Okay. Okay. I came 2 weeks late and I just decided I was ready to roll when I was ready to <laughs> roll. So
1: Man, those last 2 weeks I couldn't I couldn't handle it. That would be too stressful. Yeah. Because it could happen literally at every time. When they're early, you don't know, but when they're late, it's like come on little one.
0: Yep. I was almost born into a sugarcane field. <laughs> so
1: All right, man. Any new apps?
0: Uh, I do have an app. Speaking of, you know, babies and whatnot, um, as you know, and probably a decent amount of the listeners know, I'm a huge fan of Halo. Um, And I found this app called Cameo. Cameo is an app that allows you to search for your favorite celebrities, whether they're actors, singers, you name it. And they will record like some sort of greeting or you know birthday message, anniversary message, or something for you for you know an, a fairly nominal fee. Um, and I found that Steve Downs, the the actor, the voice actor for Master Chief, is is on this app.
1: That's awesome. And It's,
0: it's super cool, and he he does his cameo as if he's Master Chief, nice. and so I am. I am probably going to put down the seventy dollars that it takes to be able to get some sort of greeting for 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 baby when Aww. she gets here. She will never understand why, but no, <laughs> it's okay. You yeah. will. <laughs> I, I I will get the significance. So, but it's it's a pretty neat app.
1: It's awesome. I can see that for like birthdays and stuff, or, mm-hmm. or just like that. To-
0: to spice things up. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm just not going to tell Ginny about it. I'm just going to do it and then show it to her day of. And she's going to be like, who is this? Exactly. <laughs>
1: like, oh, it's Master Chief. That's awesome. Good job, man. That's yes, sir. That's a good idea. I um, got my wife a little present. I think I really got it for me, but I'm camouflaging it or or pretending like it's hers. Um. I got her a new keyboard for her, her for her iPad. She has the 10.5 iPad Pro from like 2016 or 15 or 16, several years ago. But what's cool about it is it has the touchpad on there. So you can, or I'm sorry, the trackpad. So you can use it as a, uh, it has like the, the mouse and the keyboard. The keyboard's backlit. It looks just like a Surface um, Go, like the Surface Go keyboard that I had several months ago. It looks just like that. And it comes with a case. That's a kickstand that pops out identically to the surface. So the entire setup feels and looks just like the surface now and using it is really fun. Like this, this did it when we had the surface, uh, Megan opened it up once and was trying to use it and ran into all these problems and just threw it on the bed and said, I give up. But with this one, she's using it. I walked in and she's just using the mouse and doing stuff on the iPad. So it's all about software. Uh, The windows did not do it for her. Uh, might do it for other people, but for her use cases it didn't do it, and the iPad and iOS is doing it. so this is awesome, man. You can finally use your iPad like a computer with the mouse with the keyboard, and it just it feels natural.
0: that's awesome. that's super, super cool because that's uh, this is the what I think could make the iPad for some people is having a mouse and keyboard, and not everybody's really willing to put in what is it three hundred and fifty bucks for the Apple one. Is the big big one? one, Yeah. This yeah. one is definitely not that. Yeah. yeah the, the Apple one is huge. Uh,
1: it well, it's not huge. I'm sorry. It's expensive and it's, it's very well built, but you know, for what she's doing, we can't afford to buy a keyboard that's more expensive than the iPad.
0: Right. Yeah. That And it just doesn't make sense for 90% of use cases, I think, you know? Um, but speaking of, you know, using the surface and whatnot, I believe I mentioned on earlier, I think two or three episodes ago that my dad was thinking about w- buying a windows PC. Yeah. How'd that go? So he ended up buying one. He bought, uh, I, I believe it's a Dell Inspiron. Um, it's one of the business class laptops and he bought it. And the screen is, uh, got some issues where it's got these white blocks oh, that no. are like all over. the. And so I was just like, he had already moved all his data over it, and he was like willing to settle. And I was like, dad, you, you can't, you need to turn that thing back in and you need to either demand a refund or that they ship you a new one because uh, like you could just see these white blocks all through the screen. It was just like, it reminded me that, you know, some PC hardware is just not there yet, you right. know, or what it's just a for this. $850. That's, that's not acceptable. For data, no, it's data not data acceptable data. at all, you know, but it was also, so there's two things about this, like PC hardware, Sometimes, sometimes it's fine. I think. I think most of the time it's fine. This was also a refurbished model, but I don't know how they didn't catch this in the refurbish, like the refurbishing phase. Right. Um. I feel like if he had bought it new, he wouldn't have had that problem. But at the same time, it was a heck of a deal for an eight hundred fifty dollar computer. So you know, I recommended when he he sent me the link. I was like, yeah, this looks like a really good machine. Um. So yeah. So that's where he's at right now. Software wise, he's fine. Okay. It's just this hardware, which is very strange to me. Normally, it's been the software that's been a problem okay. with with Windows, you know. But in this case, it's the hardware was that was the issue. So,
1: yeah. Nice. I'm trying to think about the white blocks. Now, is that like backlighting? Is there?
0: Hot yeah, spots? it looks like it's a hot. Sp- they're hot spots. Um and they're about. If you take Retina, they're probably about a hundred by a hundred pixels.
1: Okay.
0: You know. So they're they're significant. Like it's not like there are a couple of dead pixels here and there. It's it's like actual blocks. So it's something that's going on in the the LCD panel. Bummer. Yeah.
1: Bummer. So what I'm really gonna what I'm really curious about is uh, did you break the social distancing and the quarantine in order to figure this out in the last couple of weeks?
0: Um. So we have been social distancing with pretty much everyone. But my parents. Okay. Because my dad works from home as well. And so they don't leave the house too, too much. And I work from home. And we don't really leave the house too, too much. So the only people we're really breaking social distancing with is my family. I was wondering about that when the baby gets here. And they're yeah.
1: quarantine, Like, are you going to... Because you're going to need support.
0: We are going to need support. But that's also a very, very young compromised immune system. Yes. So... We're going to attempt not leaving or, well, I will probably leave for groceries, but we're not really having many people in the house just to give her immune system some time to strengthen a little bit. But that's 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 kind of the conclusion that we've come to, but we're kind of going to cross that bridge once we get to it as well. Because if we find that we're really in need of support, then we'll ask for it. But <laughs> first we also baby, don't want to compromise it.
1: First baby lives in a bubble. Everything is like super sanitized and you're just paying attention to everything. Second baby is like eating food off the floor and like (laughs) like, exact opposite. No, I'm, I'm, we were just curious. Megan and I were talking about today. We were wondering um, how do you raise a baby or like a newborn today? Like that's tough where everything's shut down and everything's uh, you, you have to distance yourself from everybody. It's just a bummer.
0: It's going to be interesting for sure. Now, I don't know what it's like in Colorado, but they're talking about starting phase one of reopening everything on May 1st for us.
1: Our governor um, said that the, the schools, the public schools at least, are going to do a remote for the rest of the year. And then the superintendents need to plan to not open up uh, school in person until January 2021. So that would be the first semester of, or the the fall semester this year would all be remote. So if they do that, that's, that's significant. But I also think the schools are a great place for this Petri dish of a, of a disease to spread. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you get all those kids in the same classroom for hours. Like even if they wear masks, it's not going to last, like it's going to spread and the kids don't get sick as often. So, you know, they're going to be infected and not show symptoms and then infect their parents and then their parents will spread it. So I think it's a good move to, to keep this, the kids at home. But yeah, it's, I don't know. And and I've also heard that we're going to open, start opening up also around May 1st, but I'm nervous. Like I'm seeing what's happening to China right now in South Korea. They're starting to get some reinfections, some new hotspots. I definitely see it's going to happen until we get a vaccine or we get enough people sick that the people with antibodies can then start the workforce, It's going to be rough.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're in for a rough couple of years. Yep. Yeah. That's just the way it is sometimes, but I want, I wanted to tell you about an incident that I had with a, a pick that I had. I think it was, I think it was last week. My pick of the week was tuple. Yeah. So I got a trial under like the freelancing, you know, plan, which is $25 a month. Okay. I just wanted to test it out and see if it was something that worked really well for my team. And if so, you know, start talking to my CTO about, you know, buying an enterprise license or a business license, if you will, so we could all be using it. Sure. I got the freelancing plan. It was a week this morning. I was like, all right, I'm done with the trial. I'm going to cancel it. Canceled it before it should have been charged. It was charged a couple hours later after i canceled my subscription i was like this is weird shouldn't have happened sent an email to support i was like hey y'all i got charged for this um it happened a couple hours after i you know removed you know canceled my trial um can you guys fix this for me immediately like within 10 minutes they email me back They're like yep it's refunded thanks for giving it a shot that makes you want to buy it that's awesome. It does. And I was I emailed them right back and I was like, thank you guys so much for doing this. I'm in the process of trying to convince my CTO that this is a product that we need to be using. Awesome. Did you were you able to convince him? No, oh this was just today, so I haven't really talked to him about it yet. We but, were able to convince our CTO a couple of weeks ago
1: and we are loving it. Like we used it today. We use it instead of for, for the developers. We use it instead of Zoom and we use it instead of phone calls. We just constantly use it because it's so fast like you are in literally in my status bar i click two clicks and i could be on a call with you of just a voice call or a screen share and flipping between the two different screens your your screen and my screen is almost instantaneous we get to see double mouse i can see your mouse and
0: and my mouse both on the same screen so i can point at things while you're doing things it's so good it's amazing you know and just the fact that their support is that good man that's 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 a good product right there yeah Support is a huge part of it.
1: All right, man. I got some new toys. All right. Let's talk about your toys. So I got my wife the keyboard and she was in a good mood. And then I went out and bought myself a TV. So (laughs) I, and she was okay with it. It's awesome. So I've been thinking about computer monitors for about four months now, since I started working at home, I wanted a, an external monitor to hook up to the laptop. And I had convinced myself like last week, like I was a 100% convinced I only need the laptop screen. And so I have the laptop on a little stand and I only need 15, 16 inches. Anything beyond that is a distraction. This is what I was, I was convinced of. And I could do all of my work and I have been doing. I've written many, many apps on the, you know, 15 inch screen. And every time that I've had multiple monitors, I end up like, Trying to, I, I don't know if I'm wasting them or I feel like I need to fill them up. So I'll have like a second monitor or a third monitor and it will have something that's on there just to be filler, just so it's not wallpaper. And I might not ever use it. And I, I don't know. I always felt like the, I didn't like the bezels. I didn't, it just felt disjointed. I didn't like it. Well, I got into this, this Reddit channel called Battle Stations mm-hmm. and it's where mm-hmm. these guys get these amazing, gaming setups and they have RGB lights and water cooling and just um, amazing setups of screens. These super ultra wide. They get all this stuff. And then I started like researching monitors. Like I want a a super ultra wide, but I want to be like a 4k height. I want to have all the, all that resolution. And then I start, you know, start researching and I'm finding out that TVs have progressed a lot. So with TVs, Typically your colors weren't the same as a computer monitor. I think it's called chroma I, f- I forgot the exact term, but what you're looking for is four four by four by four and if you have four by two by two then you're missing some colors and this all like goes way back to whenever they started adding color to uh, to t- TV channels. So originally when whenever we had TV over the air we only had so much spectrum and we had TVs that were you know, black and white TVs that were out in the market and they could only um, and they could read this certain bit of spectrum over the over the wireless over the air, and they could display the, the signal. When they wanted to add color, you have two options: you can redo the whole, um, I guess, file format back then—the analog file format. You can redo that to allow you to have color, or you could kind of like cheap uh, like, like cheap out and like um, take off of like a, a fraction of a frame of video every second and replace it with color or at least the, the the color data. So that's what they did. And so that we've been living with that since then. So like frame rates on things get weird. So like 60 frames per second, if you get that on over broadcast, that's 59.97 frames per second. It's not 60 because it's keeping space for that original color data back in the day. And Mm. it's all backwards compatible. So RCA TVs could work. And I might be butchering some of the facts, but in general, numbers get weird because we started adding things onto standards that were uh, out in the marketplace. But um, we, we, we're still seeing this today, even with TVs. Like we have these these different color profiles, and the computer needs four by four by four to get you know true color on everything, and TVs don't. Um, they kind of cheap out and they lose some of the colors, some of the extremes. But if you want to use a TV as a computer monitor, you want it to be color accurate. You want it to have, you don't want it to flicker. You want to be high enough refresh rate. You want it to, to not give your eye strain if you're too close to it. So I've, you know, a lot's changed the last 10 years. Like the panels are so cheap. So I got a new, it was, I think it's a 43 inch Samsung TV. It is 4K, but mm-hmm. being 43 inches, if I sit away from it, I don't know, two or three feet, I can't see the pixels anymore. So Apple's definition of retina display was you can't see the pixels anymore. Your eyes can't differentiate the pixels at a certain viewing distance. I think a lot of that's marketing, but in reality, like they just were increasing the resolution. Well, I'm staring right now. I'm staring at this 43 inch monitor or TV. I'm about two and a half feet from it. I cannot differentiate any pixels at all. And it's the equivalent of of four 1080p monitors in a, a, a quad setup. So I have literally f- multiple square feet of desktop space in front of me. I have enough room where my uh, I can have a small window of a website, and then the window is actually bigger, significantly bigger than my laptop's entire screen, and I have multiple windows open. I, I, this Today was the first day that I got to completely do a, a full workday using it, I'm I'm, not, I'm never going back. This is a game changer, TJ. Oh yeah. I have like to-do lists, and I have like Slack and like messages and, and emails and things. I can just like move them over to their you know that foot over there or that you know that quadrant, and come back to it a couple hours later. It doesn't interfere with my regular work day. I don't have to overlap things. I'm not switching between screens. I'm not like resizing things or covering panels up. It's so refreshing. The coolest thing that I did is I had a full page of code open. I had a full um, reference document. And n- typically with like a reference document, it'll be several pages. So you're going to sit there and you're going to scroll through the pages. And I'm finding, if I'm holding my mouse and I'm scrolling through a page, I, it, I don't know, it just takes some of the, the focus away from my reading. But whenever you can see two foot of of screen just for that one document next to the code, I can sit back. I can cross my arms. I can just kind of like study it. I can read through. I can compare. it. It's like if you had a map, like one of those old Rand McNally maps that you'd have when you're traveling and you'd like lay it out in your, the hood of your car. When yeah. you spread that thing out, you can just sit there and study. You can sit back. You can look, follow things. You're not constantly scrolling things like you would on a phone. And I had that experience with the with code today and with reference documents. And... Yeah, I'm not going back, TJ. This is just, yeah. this is insane. I, and, and the monitor was like three or four. I think it's like three fifty, four hundred dollars somewhere in there. Man, that I cannot recommend buying a computer monitor to anybody else ever again. Like this is the way to do it. Even if you don't use the computer much, just having it this big. Oh man, it just it makes it, such a difference. It's so good, and it's not like I have bezels and I'm trying to like fill things up. I don't. I don't do full screen anymore with anything. I just drag a box that's comfortable and do it. If I want to play a video game, I don't even full screen video games. I'll just make them the box the size that I want and I'll play it there. If I wanted to watch a movie or a YouTube, I'm not going to full screen it. I'll you know make a little 8-inch, 12-inch box somewhere. If I wanted to watch a movie, I'll go full screen. I'll go sit in the, the couch behind the desk and get that you know the regular TV experience. But if you're sitting at the desk, you don't full screen it. Just use it as windows and it feels like my entire wall or at least my entire view space right now is just covered in screen. It's so
0: good. Dude, that's, that sounds awesome. So you have a 4k display. I have just a 1080p display and even that alone, like just having a 27 inch display in front of you, it's not the same considering that 1080p and 4k, there's a huge difference. There's literally four times the difference, but I love external displays and could, can't work without them. Pretty much,
1: this is this is a game changer, man. At this size, it's a game changer. And I had always feared getting a screen and running it at native resolution because I really wanted the pixel. I really like that that smoothness of the fonts that you get. But when you're again, when you're sitting this far away from the screen, you don't see the pixels, and everything feels normal. It's not like I'm I have everything really tiny or really big. It's like normal size. It's just really, it's nice. It's really, really nice. Um, I was, yeah, I was totally wrong. I, this is the way to go that I'm I, dual monitors. Now that's, that's not, that's too much work. Like mm-hmm. what you, I, what I want is my entire wall to be the screen and,
0: and it, it just look beautiful
1: and be crisp and, we're there, and it's affordable. It's only a couple hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, you know that price point makes it worth it because compared to Apple Cinema Display, well, they're not called Cinema Displays anymore. What what is the new Apple display called?
1: Yeah, uh, Pro Pro Display XDR.
0: Yeah, Pro Display XBR, and that's like what four grand. Yeah, something like that. There's yeah. like a thousand dollar stand. Yeah, with a thousand dollar stand, so it ends up being so it's four times as much as you paid for this TV, and then you have to pay a thousand dollars for a stand which you just got. Because it's TV. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, man. No, I'm. That's I'm, wild.
1: I, oh, this TV also has AirPlay built in and Apple TV Uh-oh. and Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of those things. So I don't have to get to Apple TV for it because I can, if I AirPlay to it, I get the screen mirroring with the DRM so I can watch Hulu or, you know, anything that is a, a protective video. I can AirPlay it and watch it. Last week, I was talking about that. The Xbox app that lets you AirPlay to an Xbox. Well, it lets you AirPlay, but you can't AirPlay protected content. Well, with this TV, I can. It's just it's built in. It's so nice. Um, One interesting thing, though, on the Mac, you have scaling modes whenever you have an external monitor. If if it's a high DPI monitor, so I can say make it look like a fourteen forty p monitor, but pixel double everything as best you can, so it's super crisp or you know super clear. Well, I can do that on this monitor, but what I found out is on a 4K monitor, if you tell it to pixel double and you pick a resolution over 1080p, it tells the graphics card to render the entire desktop at 5K and then uh, downsample it back down to 4K. So my graphics card is doing additional processing that's totally wasted. makes your machine hotter, it makes the, you know, jumps up the fans. If you set it at 1080p or 4K at a, at a multiple that's native to the original resolution, you don't have that problem. It renders it in the graphics card at 4K, uses less power. So by increasing my visual resolution, I actually use
0: less power now. So it's it's awesome. I'm not going back. $367 on Amazon right now.
1: Yeah, it's, and I got it within an hour. I went to bestbuy.com and just said, I want the curbside pickup and they text me within 30 minutes and said, it's ready to go. I drove up to Best Buy, popped the the trunk of my car parked in slot seven uh, in the app. I said, I'm in a, you know, a white car and I was on in slot seven. And You know, five minutes later, a guy comes out, puts in the back of the trunk and says, bye. He's wearing a mask and gloves and the whole thing. And yeah. closes the
0: door. And I go home. So what made you decide this one though? Cause you hadn't seen it in the store yet. Okay. Um, so there are two different, well, this is the, the 2020
1: uh, series of Samsung monitors, and they have four or five different styles of monitor they have, or TV. They have one that kind of looks like a picture frame. It has like a, a one or two inch bezel around the sides mm-hmm. that looks like uh, the white, whatever the, the was it padding? What's the masking? Yeah. Um, whatever the term is for photo, uh, like when you have a something framed, they'll have that, that, that masking of that padding around the picture. It has that and then the outside looks like an actual picture frame. So with this new Samsung TV called the I'm blanking uh is it the frame? It might be the frame. That'd be too easy. Um you hang these on the wall and they look like portraits or they look like you know, like pieces of art, but yet they're screens. Um Samsung also has like they have several really cool monitors, but their regular T V is this this model, this uh what is this, the series eight thousand or eight?
0: Yeah, the T U eight thousand series.
1: Yeah, so it has very thin bezels. Um, about they're just a little bit thicker than the 16-inch MacBook Pro bezels, but again, you're at 43 inches, and I could pick the entire TV when it was in the box that I got from the store. I could pick the TV up and the box with about one or one to two fingers. Just lift the whole thing up. Wow. So it, it didn't weigh. Uh, it wasn't super heavy or anything. Any TV stand I have in the house can can. Mount this because it doesn't matter on the weight. This is less weight than any stand that I have, even if I'm using a smaller TV. So going forward, like this is awesome. I had been looking at curved monitors. Mm-hmm. The problem with a curved monitor, if you are not positioned just right, you will get a glare from any light source in the room. They all will uh, re- re- you know, reflect back to the center and you'll see that. So I, I you know, I wanted the, the curved, but I also wanted Samsung. I didn't want some some little cheap brand that's going to give me problems later, right? I've, you know, I'm, I'm, Samsung does a good job, and they got yeah. an AirPlay there. You know, since they're not
0: uh, skimping out on stuff. Oh, and they also have Alexa.
1: Yeah, I don't. And this I don't even know. This is there's so many things on this. I'm yeah. overwhelmed. I go into the TV menu and I'm like, oh, there's too many things. I just <laughs> go back to monitor. And we got the little remote here. Life is good.
0: I want to know what the response rate is on this thing. Because I know so it's the, 120 hertz, but... I don't the, know if it's really 120 hertz, too. So, it was advertised really?
1: as 120 hertz. When you connect it to your computer, it says 60. And then I read somewhere that it's like some... There's like some game mode thing that makes it appear to be 120. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. like frame interpolating and and faking it. Um, but I know I, I'm getting 60. I know that there's HDR stuff. If I have HDR enabled in Mac, the colors don't seem right. So I disabled that. Um, I do have my 4x4x4 uh, chroma or whatever the term is. I do have that. Um, I don't know what the, the response rate is, but I do know that I have input lag and all that stuff as low as it can go. There's there's a game mode, which will try to remove some of the post-processing so that you get it to be more um, responsive. And I have all that enabled. Cool.
0: Yeah, got to look into one of these, man. This is, this is tempting. Not gonna lie. Oh,
1: and forty three inches is the smallest TV that they sell. They sell up to like seventy five inches or
0: something. But yeah, eighty five you know. actually. I'm looking at the Amazon page for eighty five inches.
1: I had a thirteen inch growing up, and that was fine. <laughs> and for like a TV in the in my bedroom, like thirteen inch, I can't. My phone's thirteen inches now.
0: It's also two thousand dollars relative to your forty three inch for. Yeah. less than 400. so two times more. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, speaking of using, you know, you know, properly using screen size with what you've got. Like I said, I've got a 1080p display, right? Yeah. Um, And again, I think three or four episodes ago, I discussed how I was using the Raspberry Pi and I discovered a new way of managing your windows. And that was with the i3 tiled window management system, which sounds super nerdy, and it totally is. (laughs) (laughs) But it awakened me to a new way of using my computer, and that is that the way the i3 works is that the first program that you launch on your computer launches in full screen. The second application that you load on this computer will take up half of their screen space and we'll resize the window that you were working on previously to half size as well. So now they're, you know, side by side, the next window that you open, you can either choose to resize everything to use one third of your space, or you can split one of your windows in half to use like a, a quadrant of your space. So you have two quadrants and one half and so on. And, It was, it felt kind of like using an iPad. Yes. Because everything is full screen all the time. There's no like, you know, overlapping windows. Like, that's not a thing. You always can see what's open on your computer at all times. And I wanted it so bad because, for one, i3 is incredibly lightweight. It's very, very fast. Even on Raspberry Pi, like when I was using Raspbian, which uses a, a slightly more intense graphical user interface. I3 was blazingly fast, and I still I still want to be using I3 honestly, but I have to be using macOS because this is you know for for a couple reasons. I'm not gonna lie. I looked into how to install Linux on the MacBook Pro twenty twenty nineteen sixteen inches. Turns out it's not possible at this point. Oh wow! Because the The Macs nowadays, I think 2016 and up, have the uh, T2 security chip.
1: Okay. That's the touch bar security chip that handles some security stuff now. Okay.
0: Right. Windows is basically whitelisted and everything else is not.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah. So installing Linux on any of these machines is essentially a no-go. So Linux is out. So I looked into, okay, well, maybe I can virtualize Linux under macOS and I could just, like, have that start when I start macOS. And that introduced a bunch of problems as well. Because these, like, whether you use something like Parallels or um, VMware Fusion, some like I, the, the distribution that I wanted to use combined with VMware Fusion didn't support retina displays, which it was Ubuntu, which Ubuntu should have worked. Okay. So everything looked super fuzzy and, and it was not very performant. And I was just like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. So if I want something like this, I have to look for something within the Mac ecosystem that I can use. Okay. So I was like, all right, that's fine. So I found, I tried a few different solutions and in the end, I came up with this one application called, I, I believe you pronounce it Yabai. Okay. And it is very similar to i3, a tiling window manager for Mac OS. And it's so nice because it, you have like a config file and you can change how you want it to look. And it works very much like i3 where you open up two applications and they take each one takes up half of your screen. Like right now I'm looking at Firefox on my left, left hand quadrant. Well, I guess it would be half and messages is on my right. And then I have. On another space, I have VS Code taking up the entire thing. And the other one, I just have an empty desktop and there's nothing on it. Like I was able to hide my dock and hide my status bar. And it's so clean. And I love it. (laughs) Nice. Um, I just feel like with the way that iOS works and the way that iPad OS works, overlapping Windows, it just seems like such a cluttered system. Because before I was using this, I would have two spaces. And each one would probably have six to seven windows open. And it was almost impossible to find anything. Well, using something like this requires me to use more spaces. Cause like I said, originally I had two. Now I have five of them open, no, six of them open. And I use my keyboard more. I use command tab more. I'm, I'm assigning more keyboard sh- shortcuts and it's making me faster. Um, it's, it's a different way of working. It's going to be something that I'm using over the next few weeks. And I'm curious to see how it ends up, you know, how it turns out. But combined with that, I'm also trying to use more command line based applications. Um, I'm 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 tempted to start looking into, you know, using Vim again as my text editor, um, just because it's no matter what system I'm on, I'll always be able to have them, whether that's Windows, Mac, Linux, it doesn't matter. Um, trying, trying to distance myself a little bit more from proprietary and, you know, single platform applications to more of a, a open standard, if you will, something that I've talked a lot about on this podcast, but I, that's, I'm kind of leaning towards that. Um, but this is just, I I feel like I've just scratched the surface of it and we'll see, kind of see where it goes.
1: It's awesome, man. I was looking at pictures earlier and you show me your desktop. It looks Awesome.
0: It's, it's pretty sleek. Like I I found that also you, you were talking about, you were looking at the, the battle station subreddit. Yeah. So I found a subreddit called Unix porn. Oh no. (laughs) And it is just a subreddit full of people basically doing the same thing to their Linux machines. Where they, they make it super pretty and they kind of like showcase it. And I was like, I want to do that. I kind of <laughs> had fear of missing out, you know, and I was just like, I need, I want to find a way to do something similar to this on Mac OS and was able to kind of sort of come up with something. Um, so, but again, I'm going to continue to play with it. And it's, it's brought up a lot of, a lot of applications that are super cool. I will be using them a lot in my picks of the week over the next, the next few weeks, but they're, they're pretty, pretty cool, man.
1: That's awesome. All right, let's do the uh, the picks of the week. Sounds good. I have been, hmm, I've been trying to do this personal cloud thing for months, and one very vital piece is email. I've come to the conclusion that you cannot host your own email; you will be blocked by everybody. You need to go with an established uh, email host that has a reputation, that has enough customers and enough push that the other. ISPs and other um, email providers will listen to them whenever they ask for things and vice versa. So I can't go with, you know, um, you know, Shane's host, which has two email users because Gmail is not going to talk to me, but if outlook.com has issues or something with Gmail, they can negotiate. They're both big enough that they can do that. So I've looked at a lot of email hosts. There's, I only want a couple of things I want (laughs) now that I, I think about them. Uh, maybe I'm asking for a lot. I want custom domain hosting, so cowherd.com, makingblocks.fm, you know, any of the other 20 domains that I have, I want to be able to send email from that domain and receive it from that domain. And I want to also have wildcards or a catch-all. And so what that means is right now if you email anything at makingblocks.fm, it's gonna go to me. Unless it's like tg at makingblocks.fm, that'll go to you. But if I email um, Apple Computer at makingblocks.fm, I'm still going to get that. And so that allows me to set rules in my inbox where I can, you know, forward that to a different folder or or forward that to a different person or do something like that. So that's a feature that I really want: catch all and wildcards. I want to be able to forward email to people and other hosts. Um, so for my wife, for example, I can set up her email and then have it, if it, you know, if it comes to her, it gets forwarded to her Gmail because I'm not going to convince her to change. She's just going to stay with what she's staying with. I, I'm, I'm not going to fight that battle. And there's other people in my family or, or friends that I want to do the same thing. I, wanna let, I don't want to be intrusive in order to give them a new email address. I want to be as, as flexible as possible. And I need a, a provider that can let me do that. So I've looked at a lot, uh, G Suite. It checks some of the boxes. It lets you have custom email domains. I think it lets you have a catch-all, but it's $5 per account per month. So that's that can, you know, that can slowly build up and get more and more expensive. I looked at a smaller host called Pear, and they had a great customer service, but they didn't have the catch-all and the forwarding in all of the different s- scenarios that I wanted. And I had to have all of my... Uh, domain DNS hosted with them. So that was trouble. I also want, yeah, that's another checkbox, I guess, as I wanted to to be able to keep my domain hosted at Hover or DigitalOcean or Amazon Route 53 or any of these other places. I don't want them to be forced to this specific email provider. Um, What else was I looking at? I wanted a fast interface. I want it to look good on the phone, look good on the computer. I wanted it to be, uh, I didn't want ads I wanted it to look professional and I wanted it to be secure. And I also didn't want a brand new service. I want one that's like twenty years old. I want somebody who's established a reputation and who's not going to go anywhere and they've they've solved these problems and they're stable, very reliable. That's super important to me. I tried Office 365. I tried a bunch. I ended up with Fastmail. And I think we might have talked about them a couple weeks ago, but I started studying Fastmail. I'm very impressed. I've been using them now for the last week. I've, I was able to, it checked every one of the checkboxes that I had. All of my email now goes to uh, one inbox. It's really fast. It synchronizes to my phone. It synchronizes to my computer. It's just, it's great. The interface is smooth. The, the customer support was very responsive, and, but it costs money. So that's a different thing. So this one costs $4 per month per user. I only have one user, so I pay $4 a month and I can receive email from all of my domains and I can forward them to any family members or friends that I needed to. So I can do all of that and that's affordable. Uh, they've been around for 23 years or something crazy like that. So in the computer age, that's a lifetime. And because they're paid, there's no ads. And so if you look at like something like G Suite or Gmail, Gmail gives you the service for free. If they're going to give you the service for free, then the user is part of the product. The user is not the customer. In this scenario, the customer would be the advertiser. It is in Gmail, and not that Gmail's doing this, but it is in Gmail's best interest to keep you on their service and on their page as long as possible so that you see those ads. It is not in their best interest to make the interface as smooth and fast as possible and to get you in and out of the service as fast as possible. Because you wouldn't see the ads. So it's kind of counterintuitive to what you want. Fastmail, since you're paying for it, they skip all of that. Going to a setting and changing something is like two clicks away from, on any screen. You don't, like, how do you change an email in Gmail right now? I'm sorry, change a password in Gmail. You go up to, like, the account settings and then privacy, and you drill down five pages before you can finally change your password. On Fastmail, it's like two clicks. It's just, it's it's, it's nice. Another thing FastMail does is they have some very simple web hosting and redirects. So I pointed several domains to my FastMail, and then I set up redirects that redirect me to some other site. And they handle SSL or, or um, HTTPS, the uh, Let's Encrypt certificates. So I'm able to have makingblocksfm.com forward to our MakingBlocksFM website but I can also have www.makingblocksfm.com or https colon slash slash www.makingblocksfm.com. All of these can all go to the correct spot, the correct website. And it's just a very, very simple interface, very fast. I'm just very impressed. And then the the last thing was importing email. I had something like 60,000 emails on my iCloud. And in the past, if I try to copy those 60,000 emails to a Gmail... If you use IMAP, it could take you days, literally days because Gmail only lets you import so many gigabytes or so many messages per day, they throttle you. But with FastMail, they're doing something different. I was able to import 60,000 emails from iCloud in like 10 minutes. I don't know what they're doing, but they're not going through regular IMAP. They have other channels. It's phenomenal. And then every time that I'm on the, the page, I'm trying to do something, There's like a checkbox that does, it goes above and beyond what I was looking for. So you can set it up to import all of your Gmail. And then from then on, if you want to send out using that Gmail, it'll show up in your drop down menu and it will keep your SMTP and all those settings for you. So you get all this extra flexibility that normally I would have hacked, would have had to hack or glue together to make it happen. But it's just a checkbox. So it's like they're email guys and, and email gals that are building a product for people who use email. I really
0: appreciate that. That's awesome, dude. It's so good. So, so impressed. I I need to give you know give it a shot and see, experiences importing for myself because I have something like fifty thousand emails across my entire like through my archives and all that stuff and see how fast it imports.
1: It's so good, and the search was good. Just all the features felt good. I'm just really impressed.
0: So does it make you not want to spin up your own email server?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely not. (laughs) FastMail, I'm using NextCloud for files. FastMail for email and contacts and calendars. Oh, and they do push. They do push email to an iPhone, push calendars. I don't think they do push contacts, but contacts on, on demand. All to your iPhone. And I didn't have to go in there into the mail app and stuff on the iPhone and go through all these tedious menus to set it up. I went to the FastMail website and hit a button. It downloaded a profile to my phone. So it's a one-click install, and it set everything up and added the
0: passwords. It was
1: so good. So impressed.
0: That's awesome, dude. The I love it. On
1: Mac. So, yeah, FastMail is awesome. So I'm using FastMail for email and any of your personal information stuff. I'm using NextCloud for files. My only two things left are photos and YouTube. YouTube, yeah. I don't think I can change. That's going to nope. be hosted by Google forever. Photos... That's up in the air right now. Google Photos has the best search. Amazon Photos is catching up on a lot of things. Man, Amazon Photos really is doing good. Like, I've been looking at them lately. It's really tempting. They have live photos. They have the uh, artificial intelligence searching so I can search for yellow pancakes and any picture that I had that have yellow pancakes in them will show up stuff like that. Amazon's doing a good, a good job there. And then Apple. Apple. Huh. I need family sharing. I need to take a picture or my wife to take a picture that both pop into the same inbox or the same camera roll. Mm -hmm. And Apple doesn't support that yet. So we'll see. Um, But yeah, getting really close.
0: That's awesome, man. I love it. Cool. My pick of the week is AccuWeather.
1: Yeah. Tell me about it.
0: So it is a app. It's actually a company. It's a media service. It's a bunch of things, but I'm just going to be reviewing their iOS app um as we both know and we discussed on past two episodes i believe is that dark sky was acquired by apple yeah so that's all great and wonderful and lovely and all that and we're gonna see features put into weather.app you know the one that ships with ios we're gonna be seeing that over the next release or two of ios i'm sure but it feels weird using dark sky now just because i know that it's you know, and it's half life at this point. It's it's kind of here, but it's kind of not. Um, so I decided to start looking at other weather apps, and I downloaded AccuWeather and the Weather Channel to start kind of poking around them because I think it was on Sunday of last week we got a pretty nasty storm, and so I was like, okay, I have an excuse to download weather apps <laughs> and see what's going on over here. You see that radar, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's see that radar. So I downloaded both of these. And my first inclination was to mess around with the Weather Channel just because it's more of a popular name. Just wanted to see what kind of app it was. And it had a lot of ads. Yeah,
1: not happy with that.
0: Not happy with that at all. And you know what's worse is they wanted $95 for a year. I I believe it was $95. It was something, it was way more than $10. It was more than $50 that they wanted for a year's worth of using this app with no ads. And I was like, well, that's ridiculous because. I, I open a weather app maybe once a week. Only when I it rains.
1: You yeah. don't open it when it's nice.
0: When it's nice, I don't need it. Especially right. considering that the weather here is fairly stable, especially this time of year. Um, I'm not really not really paying attention to the weather that much. So I'm definitely not paying $95 for a premium subscription for only a year. Um, so I also looked at AccuWeather. And AccuWeather did have ads. It wasn't as bad, but its premium version was three ninety nine just to get rid of all the ads nice. and that I'm fine with. That's less than I pay for coffee. Um, so I went ahead and downloaded, got premium on AccuWeather and it's really nice. It has good radars. It has support for future radars. Um, as in like, I can see what they predict the weather to do up to two hours into the future, which is really nice. Um, it also unlocks some of the premium content. So I can see like actual you know, weather men and weather women, I guess, you know, talk about what's going on. Um, it's 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 very good. I like it. I think that it's a good replacement for Dark Sky for right now until we see changes happen in the actual iOS app. So it's good stuff. I like it. AccuWeather.
1: That's awesome, man. Oh, check it out. So- all right, we're getting to that time of the show. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea where my Apple Watch is. Um, I got teased about it today. I get teased about it about every other day by my family, and it's it's getting to the point now where, uh, man, I, I think I should just get the new watch. Um, I, I think so. So I don't even know. TJ, you need to, like... Come up with some sweet watch app idea that we can just like go all out on and make some <laughs> make some money because I need an Apple Watch. I don't I won't use it. I, I don't need it, but I just just for the sake of the joke, I need to remedy this.
0: Yes sir. Hashtag the Cowboy.
1: Hashtag the Cowboy. Podcasting's hard.
0: <laughs> Good night, man.
1: Good night.